Folks, welcome to our latest Generation Podcast. It's good to have your, your company today. Uh, my guest today is Donald Forsyth. Donald is the Vice Chair of, uh, I'm laughing here because it doesn't sound very exciting, the, the General Trustees for Free Church of Scotland. Um, so you're, you're immediately saying, listen, I come onto this podcast to listen to some of the mission, uh, not to hear about bureaucracy, but hopefully uh, we'll realise before the podcast is over that bureaucracy, that management, that running things is really, really important. So Donald is a chartered accountant. He works for one of the top 20s. He was formerly a partner for a big four company. Donald, welcome. Thanks, Evan. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, you're you're, you're a Christian. How, how did you become a Christian? I uh, I was dragged into the kingdom. I was running my own business at the time. I had some uh, conflict in the family between myself and um, not immediate family members, but there was some some conflict in, in the family around my own business. Quite quite a stressful time, um, and I wasn't seeking. I wasn't I wasn't looking when I was younger. I had a, a a kind of folksy mum and apple pie idea that it yeah. might be nice to be a Christian when I was older, but but I wasn't I wasn't looking. So um, I was actually uh, in the basement. I, I had of a shop. I had I was running uh, two shops. I was in the basement of one of the shops, counting money. Right, if you, if you, can, if right. you can believe that, and. Uh, on my own um, small room and the room filled with a cloud wow the room filled with a cloud and I knew in that second that that was the presence of God okay and it was God saying I'm here okay and that was uh, an amazing experience that was a very frightening experience was this a physical cloud it was a physical cloud it, it wasn't as if the room filled with cloud ah, this is the room filled with a with a cloud you're a chartered accountant you don't have mystical experiences <laughs> so in that very second i knew that god existed because right. i've always been absolutely clear in my mind that god didn't exist if you want to get up early on sunday morning and go to church you're not doing any harm yeah. was my was was my view so in that very second, I was aware that God existed and I was equally aware that I was on the wrong side of him. Okay. So I went straight home and... Straight home? I went straight home. I, with you. I went straight home, looking at the sky, waiting for something to follow me. My goodness. And I, I went to bed. It was the safest. Was this like the middle of the day? It was the middle of the day. It was the afternoon, yeah. And when you went down into the basement, when you were going yeah. down, you had no thought of God climbing? No, none whatsoever. I didn't give God a thought. And he met with you in the basement? Yeah. Well, I, whilst I was counting money. You know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, that night I, I started to pray the prayer of, uh, God, I know you're there, but... But and I know I'm not right with you, and that felt really awkward and stupid because I, had, yeah, I wouldn't have prayed since since I was a child, um, and that lasted for about maybe three weeks or so, mm-hmm. 
and and after that, were you functioning during that three yeah, weeks? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was okay. I was okay. okay. Uh, and over that three week period, I gained peace with God. Right. And knowing God exists and knowing that you're you're offside is a really scary sure. position. Were you in. talking to people during that three weeks, or were you working it out yourself? Do you know what? I can't remember. Yeah. I, I I I wasn't talking widely to, mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to people during that during that period mm-hmm. um, and having had that experience I will often be uh, I'll often be you know, disappointed with my own behavior yes. my own thoughts but uh, I've never doubted that God exists yes uh-huh, uh-huh. and what was it that kind of moved you from a sense of ex- you know that God exists? To into a kind of path of discipleship, finding more about Jesus, learning the ABC of the Christian life. Uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting it was an interesting time because I, I went from um, someone who had gone to Sunday school as a kid. Yeah, stopped going to Sunday school as soon as I was able to assert my uh, uh, my own authority, and so I was twenty seven, twenty eight. When this happened, so I was an, I was an adult. I was married, I had two small children, and I realised that I had to reassess all my opinions. Someone would ask me, oh, "What do you think about whatever, yeah, whatever topic?" And I, I would kind of go to speak. And I think, "Oh no, that's what I used to think. Oh, I don't know what I think now yeah. because I don't know what the Bible says about yeah. X, Y, or Z." Sure. So, so I suppose in that sense, I did have quite a deliberate. Uh, period of of reading reading the bible um, mm-hmm. which i still do uh and and reading uh other books i, I would perhaps describe them as christian lifestyle books yeah. by a lot of american authors yeah. the usual yeah. usual suspects yeah. um uh, and uh through beginning to live as a christian mm-hmm. which which um None of us have perfected, sure. but the the first few years were probably quite quite rocky, mm-hmm. uh, and probably still did lots of things I absolutely yeah. shouldn't have done. Were you attending church oh, at this time? I started attending church Im- immediately. Uh, well, had you been attending before then? Reluctantly. Re- so okay. So um, at this time, uh, my my in laws. Uh, who had been in Edinburgh because Kenya had been at the college, had moved and were in Roskine. And whilst Kenya and Rita were in Edinburgh, they would uh, uh, conspire to get me to go along to Buclue, which I would do uh, occasionally. Yeah. So I I knew Alistair Ross and I knew a few people at Buclue to say. Yeah, l- 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 to listeners you. may not know that Donald's father-in-law was a well-known minister called Kenny MacDonald, who was minister at Roskine. You may know him through the story of his daughter Alison, um, Donald's sister-in-law, who who went missing in Kashmir many years ago. Just to fill in the background to our listeners who don't know all yeah, these personalities. Yeah. 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 So you, so things change. Your attitude toward the Bible change. You, you read it with a new kind of uh, zest and, and, and insight. Your attitude to church changed from being a reluctant churchgoer to now being a more positive consumer. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
<laughs> Good. So, um, having an unusual beginning, I mean, it does seem somewhat, I don't know, mystical or, or, or powerful. Have you ever had uh, experiences like that since, or was that just a one-off? That was a one-off. I've certainly had times where I've been very aware of the presence of God Yeah, uh, somewhere. But I think we have to remember God is with us all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, no, I haven't had another experience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like that. And I've never doubted that experience. Yeah. And in, in the words of the Johnny Cash song, you know, I was there when it happened. Sure, sure. And, you know, nobody can argue with your story. That, mm -hmm. that is your story, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, when I was Minister of Smithton, again, a really sensible guy. Once I, I was preaching, I said, you know, we don't hear the voice of God anymore. Mm. And this guy, the last person I would expect, he says, David, you know, I became a Christian through the voice of God. And I said, mm. the audible voice of mm. God? Mm. And again, this very sane guy said, absolutely. Mm. I was reading John Stott's mm. Basic Christianity. Mm. He'd come from an atheistic position, and he heard the audible voice mm. of God. Mm. You know, that's, that's his story. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I was an atheist yeah. before. To me, it, you it, were a theist. It was... To me, it was really simple. God didn't exist, so why bother going to church? So you were an atheist? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I didn't believe in God. Until that point. Until that point. God revealed himself to ah. you, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a big change to happen in a second in someone's life. <laughs> yeah, that that's remarkable. Would you say that your conversion was instant or was it a process? The belief in the existence of God was, was instant. Was instant. But that was followed by a process of of having faith. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If that makes yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. This is a really extraordinary so I, I story. Was dragged, I, was, I was dragged into the kingdom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you tell that story to folk who ask you? Yes. If, yeah. yeah. If, if um if people are sharing their testimonies, whatever, um, yeah, I would happily share share that story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you know, you are very much 21st century businessman. You work in the, in the modern world. Mm. You work in the real world. Mm. Uh, folk would say, Don, that, that story just doesn't fit into your present context. Mm. Well, what do you say to that? That's a good question, David. But I suppose nobody has asked me that. <laughs> nobody has asked me that, that question. Uh, would, the, now, would the reply be basically whether it does or not? That's my story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 that is my story. I suppose, uh, you know, I might point. Uh, I, I think that the majority of people have a spiritual awareness. Yes. Be that a spiritual awareness in terms of 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 God, or be that a spiritual awareness in terms of their appreciation of some art form or of nature yes. uh, and uh, or of love, yeah, yeah, which is illogical. Was the experience pleasant, unpleasant? Did you meet God as judge or God as love? In the basement, you know, you you went home. You had to go to bed. You were so yeah. It was such a powerful experience. Yeah. Yeah. Was it to use a word? Was it nice it was a, or was it challenging? It was challenging. It was a power. Yeah, it, it was just 
I'm here. Yeah. And it had physical manifestations. And you you an were exhausted. An absolute physical manifestation. And it had that effect on you. You were so tired. You really had to. I was so scared. You went. You were scared. So the bed was like like a womb. You retreated it was a, back. To it was the, the safest place. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. I quite honestly, I felt as if something was going to fall on me from the sky as I as I walked home. It was okay. it was frightening. Yeah. Uh, we may come back to that, but moving on. Whenever I I think of chartered accountants, there's. In my experience, there's two types of chartered accountants. I'm sure there's many more. One is the kind of king of spreadsheets who, you know, I imagine sitting in an office somewhere doing sums all day. Hmm. Um, the other is what I would call more entrepreneurial, hmm. looking at systems, the way things work. Hmm. Uh, are you this looking at systems or do you do sums all day? I don't do sums all all day. I've been uh, de-skilled in doing <laughs> sums because I do other things all day. Like a lot of people, I spend most of my day speaking to people on the telephone, in meetings, sending emails. Yeah, it sounds like what I do. So, you know, if you observed my day, it would look like your day or lots of other people's days. Yeah. And... I uh, didn't have a burning desire to be a chartered accountant when I was when I was young. I I um I fell into it. And no, you came from a business background. You're from a business family. Yeah. Um, was that always the trajectory that you you were interested in commerce business? Yes, I suppose my family had been in business for a couple of generations. It, so it's it's what we did, which is why I started my own business uh, in Edinburgh back in 85, 86. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was quite a normal thing. It was quite a normal thing to do. And it was uh, very uh, pressured and stressful during, during that in the, the city. It certainly felt uh, being, being in a retail environment um, delivery drivers would try and short delivery you so they'd be stealing from you some of your staff would steal from you some of your customers would steal from you and then at night people broke your windows and the police called you and you had to get out of bed so uh, it was quite tough it was, yeah. it was pretty tough long hours uh, you know open from like 8 in the morning till 10 at night uh, and I thought there must be an easier way to make a living right and doing this and I'd had meetings with my accountant and he wore a suit and drank coffee <laughs> how hard you know, that, didn't look, that didn't look very hard and uh, I applied I had a, a business studies degree I applied to various things in Edinburgh all around kind of stockbroking investment yeah. management finance accountancy and that's the first job offer I, I had so I took it so there's no great plan. There's no so great plan. So you were kind of almost apprenticed to be an accountant. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and uh, what I enjoy about it is working with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you're advising a business owner, I suppose because you know about their finances, which is personal, we don't generally discuss our finances. We don't yeah. go around telling people, oh, I earned this, I've got yeah. this money in the bank, whatever. Because people tell you about their finances, they've 
they've gone into a um, a zone which yeah. they wouldn't be comfortable going mm-hmm. into with other people. Mm-hmm. So they often tell you lots of other things. Yeah. They'll tell you lots of personal issues about yeah. their marriages, their families, worries. And I'm generally working with people, helping them to achieve their objectives, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is clearly rooted in their personal lives. So, so, so there's a little bit of life coaching. There's a little bit, you know. I, I sometimes describe myself um, half jokingly as a corporate social worker. Right, right. Uh, but it's all about people. Yeah. It's all. It's all. It's all about people. Now, I, I mean, what really interests me because what you do sounds very similar to what I do. And, you know, I would go into a a church. It's not a business, but it's an enterprise. Hmm. And, you know, it has a task, and that's to spread the message. You're looking for certain results. Um, Some churches are really healthy. Hmm. Others are are unhealthy. Hmm. And I try and and help. Hmm. Hmm. Would you say that you've got transferable skills? Or to what extent is a church like a business. Give, give me the give me the, the contrasts and the similarities. Yes, I think there's lots of similarities. And actually one of my great frustrations, one of my great frustrations in life is when you're working in the church and someone says, oh, that might be the case in the business world. Yeah. But this is the church. And leadership management are, are topics that I'm really interested in. And I have never come across any good leadership technique, style, any management process or technique that isn't biblical. Sure. And that shouldn't surprise us. Yeah. Because surely everything that's good is going to be consistent yep. with the Bible. So I think there are lots of similarities and lots of transferable skills. The I think one of the key things is asking people, what are you trying to achieve? And most people can't answer that straight off. But yeah, what are you a, trying to achieve? It's a great question. What, where do you want to be in five years? Uh, helping people work, work out what it is they want to achieve. And you can, you can never tell someone what they want to achieve. Yep. I might tell you what I think you ought to achieve or what I would want to achieve if I was you, but I don't know what you want to yes. achieve. So helping people to express what they want to achieve and then working out how to get it. Mm-hmm. It's it's very simple, yep. but it's actually sure. very powerful. So if, if a church asked you to come in, Donald, we really we, we need you to look at our... Hmm. <laughs> our, our enterprise hmm. here, our, our, our institution, hmm. would your approach be virtually the same if it was a business? Yes, it would. Find, finding out what's their vision, what do they want to achieve, what activities are they currently undertaking, are these activities moving them towards that vision yeah. or not? Yeah. And generally in most businesses and in the churches that I've been involved in, there's lots of things happening which are, are good and proper, yeah. but they're not actually moving them in the direction they want yeah. to move in. Now, you were working with a church last year, and I think someone who was at the meeting told me that you were telling a story about it was a, a hotel chain. Yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that approach? Yes, yes. So what I, uh, I did there, um, to, to make this really... Um, accessible. 
I didn't exercise for said to someone, I said to the group, we've all stayed in a hotel at some time. Imagine you, you, you were away for a weekend and you come back at the office on Monday and people ask you, how was your weekend? Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, it was okay. What, what would the hotel do to be okay? Yep. And people reel off the characteristics in the hotel. And I say, imagine you're away for a weekend. You had an amazing weekend in the hotel. You come back in the office and someone asks you, how was your weekend? You say, oh, it was an amazing hotel. You must go there. Yeah. What made it an amazing hotel? Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, you were in a new church and it was okay. Mm-hmm. What made it okay? Or you new church and it was amazing. What made it amazing? And it teases out... Um, a lot of issues. It teases out, I suppose, what, what people, what people, what people value, what people, what people rate. And the really interesting thing about this exercise, maybe I'm giving away too much of my secrets here. The really interesting thing about this exercise, and it's true of a hotel or true of a, a church. The thing that makes a difference from being okay to being great is almost exclusively the way the people behaved. Mm-hmm. It's not to do with spending money. It's not because one had more investment or more sure. cash resources than the other. It's about the people. and How you were treated by How you were treated, folk. how people interacted with you. Humanity, yeah. If they made you feel welcome, important. Yeah, so we should really train our folk in churches that if you go into a church, within five seconds, you should get a smile. Or if you approach within two feet of someone, you should say, hello, good morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoa. In churches that you've attended, what are the sort of things that have a wow factor for you? I think, I think one of the really one of the strongest um, uh, one of the strongest things is the sense of family in the congregation. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, if, Again, it's relationships. Yes. It's, people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's relationships. If you go into a church and feel that these people know each other, these people care for each other, these people love each other. Yeah. That's very attractive. Because <clears throat> in, in mission we talk about, you know, belonging before believing. And you very often find that the folk come within the influence of a group of Christians. They, they belong, they're cared for. And then you go on to talk about the gospel mm, to mm, them. Mm. Mm, mm. Um, I'm interested as well. You're a bit of a, a musician, is this correct? I am. Where do you practice your arts? Where do you practice my arts? <laughs> Largely in the sitting room. <laughs> so I've I've played the guitar for uh, since I've been a young teenager. Yeah. So I've played the guitar for a long time. And uh, I've played in lots of different bands over the years, from quite heavy rock bands to uh-huh. new wave punky bands to bluegrass bands to playing with Alec McDonald. Uh-huh. Uh, and I play the guitar in church uh-huh. regularly. Uh, I've done a bit of recording. Um, had some records played on Radio 1 a long, wow. a long time ago. Uh <laughs> Uh, and uh, I started to learn the piano uh, uh, two or three years ago. Great. So it's my ambition to be able to play the piano well enough to play it in church. Good. Uh, do, you, well. do you have views about music, church music? Um, are your tastes eclectic or is it a particular 
genre that you really like in terms of church music yeah in terms of worship yeah in, ter- in terms of worship music for for a long time i was very scathing about christian music okay and i would say oh i like good christian music i just haven't heard any yeah well i'm uh, interested to see if you change that <laughs> opinion because that's where i'm at today but i, I, I haven't I, I i had no time for oh just the kind of you know, as the people describe Jesus as my boyfriend type, yeah, yeah, type, yeah, yeah. type, uh, type of music. And I suppose, you know, I was, um, as, as a kid, we attended uh, the Church of Scotland, mm-hmm. um, which was almost exclusively hymns. Mm-hmm. And then came into the Free Church, where it was exclusively Samadhi. Mm-hmm. So I had no real exposure to to worship music. And I but s- as a new Christian, uh, you know, you, you're beginning to think out things, and as you mature, you know, you're coming to a view on the matter. Yes, I suppose as a new Christian, I didn't have any in- interest in yeah. Christian music because I just didn't like yeah. the tunes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and I suppose through starting to play in church, and, and playing in church is very different from... From, from doing a gig, from doing some what sense? What concert the performance. Because when you're playing to entertain people, mm-hmm. you're, you're playing to put on a show sure. to, to entertain, to amuse. But if you're playing in church, you're there to facilitate. You, you, when you're doing a concert, you're the centre. It's about you, yeah. It's about you. It's about the, the, the uh, men and women on stage. As you're playing in church, um, it's, God. It's, it's not about the musicians. Yeah. Um, I don't think the musicians even have to be visible. Right. It's about facilitating. Sure. It's about enabling people uh, to worship, uh, to be to, to be to sing with with real. So a, a good a good worship leader, whether it's a presenter or an instrumentalist. Um, is just there to facilitate Absolutely. the work. Absolutely. They have to be almost, you know, hidden, not physically hidden, but, you know. I think that's what kind of gets me when I hear either singing that's really, really, you know, ornate or fancy, hmm. or on the other scale, singing that's slow and dreary. You know, hmm. both things, both sides of the coin detract from worship yes yes there's certainly uh there's certainly no need for music in church to have long instrumental solos or or mm-hmm. or, or, or you know the music has to has to have the right dynamics mm-hmm. but but um but it's about worshiping it's about enabling about facilitating uh, the worship of God, mm. and are you able to have a sense of worship yourself when when you're absolutely. involved in the band at a- church? A- absolutely, I often feel really moved mm-hmm. when uh, mm-hmm. I'm playing in a way that I wouldn't experience. Supposing I was, you know, playing one of my favourite songs in mm-hmm. a concert type mm-hmm. setup, mm-hmm. it's a completely different, mm-hmm. completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Now. You've hung about ministers a lot. Your father-in-law was a minister. Mm. Your son James is a well-known minister in McLean, Virginia. Um, you're not a minister, and presumably you're not going to become one. Um, do you think because you're you're an elder in the church, you're involved in the church administration, do you think that's less of a ministry than being up there in the pulpit? That's a good question. I've never, I've never 
Or, or why did you agree to become a trustee? I agreed to become a trustee because I could. Yeah. So uh, to go back, I had a time when we were living in Edinburgh where I had too many voluntary commitments and I ended up just resenting them all. Mm-hmm. I wasn't serving willingly, joyfully, cheerfully. Yeah. Uh, I was serving grudgingly. And I decided to stop them all. So I, I, I was still an elder, but yeah. I came off rotas and yeah. committees and I came off everything and, and had, a, had a sabbatical from, mm-hmm. from, from that type of mm-hmm. activity. Mm-hmm. And after a break, um, I, I was asked to get involved with the Nazareth Hospital, mm-hmm. which, which I, was, I felt ready to mm-hmm. do. And that was just a, a, fixed, uh, a fixed term. And then I suppose moving from, from Edinburgh uh, up to uh, the Black Isle was a new start and obviously had to resign from any roles mm-hmm. uh, that, that I had. So when I was asked uh, if I would do it, it was quite clear that I had the skills. Yes. So I thought, well, I'd have to have a reason not to do it. So I've got the skills, I've got the time, I'm happy and willing to do it. And I've, I've really enjoyed the time that mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. on the Board of Trustees. Because it's about governance and running things. and I've, I've enjoyed it, actually, because I find it very refreshing. It's, it's so different uh, from a meeting during the typical working day, whilst yeah. I en- enjoy what I do, I yeah. enjoy helping clients. It's very, very different sitting around the table with a group of people who who are like-minded. We, yeah. Not that we agree okay. on everything, but the fact that we're like-minded, we open and close with prayer, you know, uh, we don't agree on everything, but we're, we're all agreed. Sure. We're on, the, we're on the same hymn sheet. Yep, yep. Do you see a difference between conflict in the workplace and conflict in the church? I'm really interested in the whole concept of conflict. You know, I read a lot of, and I've been influenced by Patrick Lencioni and his, you know, five dysfunctions of a team and, and looking at stuff like that. I, and again, I think Lencioni uh, is comes from a Christian perspective. He's got this expression, mining the conflict, mm-hmm. that sometimes in a business environment it's easier to do that, to just mine it and get good stuff out of the conflict. Yes. Whereas, you know, in life you can have too few principles, but you can have too many principles, and mm. that sometimes makes conflict really toxic. Yes, it's important I hadn't heard that expression "mining the conflict," but I completely, I completely, uh, completely grasp it. I, I think conflict has to be. You need to dive into it yeah. if you're going to resolve it. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the most unhealthy things is where there are conversations that need to take place that don't take place, mm-hmm. and I've, I'm sure we've all seen this either in our personal or, or, or professional lives, where you know that the relationship between A and B is broken yep. and they need to have a conversation. Yep. I, I remember um, Professor McLeod, Professor uh, uh, Don McLeod um, saying in a sermon uh, a long time ago about, you know, if people have trouble praying, mm-hmm. um, 
they could buy a book on prayer, they could talk to their friends about it, but ultimately their only way they're going to resolve that is by praying. Sure. And I think the same is true of conflict. Yeah. If David, if you even had some conflict, yeah. we could we could get counselling, we'd have mentors, we could read yeah. books about it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah. we have to speak to each other. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that I've learned about conflict is the need to address it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think leaving it unaddressed is, yeah. is really, really uh, unhealthy. And, and really good can come out of that. If two parties have, you know, mind conflict, mm-hmm. cleared up misunderstanding, mm-hmm. the relationship can be so much more positive Absolutely. after that. Absolutely. Relationships, I found, are stronger <clears throat> after resolving a conflict Mm-hmm. I suppose resolving conflict often requires people to be very candid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, especially if if it's if this is a, a personal a mm-hmm. personal conflict. Uh, you know, we usually have to admit why we were upset or why mm-hmm. the conflict happened in the first mm-hmm. place as part of the part of the resolution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So relationships can be stronger after after a conflict. Now, I know that uh, the concept of entrepreneurialism is an interest mm. of yours, and you've met mm. many entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, they're different personalities. I mean, I often think of Steve Jobs of Apple is really out well, yeah. the late yeah. Steve Jobs. He's, he's out there, mm. really extrovert. Mm. Bill Gates, mm. very quiet, introvert yeah, types. Yeah, very different. Yeah. What, what, what do you see in entrepreneurs? Is there a common thread? I is there a common thread? I suppose if we could if we could bottle it, we could sell it. <laughs> that's that's an entrepreneurial thought. Uh, is there is there a common thread? I I don't know if there's a common thread. I think there's a lot of misapprehension about about entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Most entrepreneurs don't think of themselves as entrepreneurs. Right. They say, "Oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. I just started a business doing X." Yeah. In I think being an entrepreneur, a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I've whilst um, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates have changed the world. Yep. It's it's incredible. I I got an Uber taxi this morning and mm-hmm. was on a conference call on my iPhone. Uh, it's yeah. I couldn't have I, I couldn't have dreamt. Yep. You know. Um, I couldn't have, have dreamt uh, of that. And I suppose that's what these guys did. They they dreamt mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and they they made it happen. Mm-hmm. Whilst it's amazing to create something new, you know, to invent the mobile telephone or or the electric light bulb or whatever, I I actually am equally uh, impressed by people who are entrepreneurs out of something that already exists. Mm-hmm. So, to to create, um, I, I suppose Scotland is awash with gin yeah. at the moment. Sure. And how, how the gin manufacturers have moved people from paying £12 per, per bottle of gin to getting small batch handcrafted gin that people pay £40 for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or the coffee shops have done the same. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. How we now pay three or four pounds yeah. uh, for a cup of coffee. They've made something new out of something that existed sure. already. And you, in the old days, you just go and ask for a cup of coffee. Now you're faced with a menu of about 40 options. Ah, 
So, uh, almost in church terms, you know, <laughs> a revitalizer is someone who tries to make something out of something that's not going so well. And a church planter is mm. someone who's trying mm. to make a new thing. You know, both of these skills in terms of church are, are important. Mm -hmm. Are you encouraged at what you've seen in the free church, our own denomination, the Generation Network? Are you encouraged? I'm hugely, hugely encouraged. I, I um I attended the uh, mission conference last October. Yeah. And was hugely encouraged by that. At the time where there were maybe 12 different church planters yep. uh, up front, uh, I thought that was, that was, I'd never experienced that before in my life. And to have the 12 of them there, great, great stories, great, great things happening. So I found that hugely encouraging. And, yeah. and I actually uh, have found the board of trustees meetings mm -hmm. encouraging. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, I, I had imagined a, a group of a very aged. Um, you mean aged Amon? Very aged, grey-haired gents uh, sitting uh, around, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a much more diverse. Uh, much more enthusiastic yeah. group than I had ever imagined. Uh, again, you know, I think be. that'll come as a bit of a revelation to a lot of our listeners. That, you know, a group like the Board of Trustees is actually an exciting, <laughs> in its own way, dynamic group. Mm -hmm. And a church is like an iceberg, you know, mm -hmm. there's so much of governance and mm -hmm. stuff that has mm -hmm. to be done that people don't see. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, you've got to organise uh, GDPR, you've got to organise pensions, you've mm -hmm. got to organise, I mean, um, we have a, a board of trustees later on, we'll be looking at, there's a guy come in to do a seminar on, on risk, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's dull at, at one level, but yet it has to be done. Yeah, yeah. Donald, thank you so much. Um, I have to say that this podcast didn't go the way I'd intended. I didn't expect it to begin with a cloud in the basement. Um, but it's certainly been great to talk to you. I uh, wish you every blessing as you help with the trustees and as you help music up there in Dingwall and wherever you find yourself in God's service. Thank you for coming. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.